This is a Holy Baptist Church podcast, bringing you into a community in which everyone is welcome, lives are changing, and Jesus is King. Thanks for listening with us today. We would invite you to subscribe so you can keep up to date with us. But for now, we pray you enjoy listening for what God has in store for you in this episode, and that it helps change your life for the better, in Jesus' name. Enjoy. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, welcome to the Holy Baptist Church live stream on this uh, glorious Sunday morning. Uh, my name's Stu. And I'm Angie. And you're very welcome. Uh, whether you're watching uh, live or on the podcast later on, um, I hope you enjoy uh, what we're going to get into in the next uh, the next hour or so. So what's coming up? We're in this sermon series, 90? 90. Yeah, it's a little bit confusing because I think it's meant to be 90 days between Christmas and Easter, but there's 91 this year or something. Yeah, just, just to make it easy. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> there's 90, so looking at Life of Jesus. Indeed. Which has been a good... Yeah, it's, it's been really good actually. It's been really good up to this point. Um, yeah, so looking forward to <laughs> up to this point. <laughs> that made me laugh. Up to this point, <laughs> and then it all I, goes downhill from you here. know I didn't yeah. mean I that. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, so um, this morning Neil will be continuing the, our sermon series, um, and he's going to be looking at the uh, a passage from the Gospel of Mark. Uh, which is all around uh, Jesus and the the temple and well the destruction of the temple. So it could be some very interesting stuff to come. So um, yeah, there's so much that I think can be drawn out of that. So yeah, we're looking forward to that. Yeah, looking me, forward to that. Me too, because I think when you think you're looking at the life of Jesus, you think you're going to be looking at you know Jesus healing the blind or Jesus doing miracles, but actually there's yeah. some of Jesus teaching that can be quite tricky. So I'm absolutely. To it too. Shall we um, remind ourselves of what the series is about? Yeah, let's do that. In just three years, Jesus changed the world. He transformed the way we think about religion and created a space where everyone was welcome. In the first 90 days of 2024, we are going to look at those three years, following Jesus through his most significant events, conversations and encounters. So, as we journey towards Easter, let's create space to not only learn about the historical Jesus, but also meet. Well, good morning. Absolutely great to see all of you. Um, let's pray before we start. I think it's a good idea when I'm preaching. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Father, we thank you for each other. But Father, we thank you mostly for Jesus. Father, we just pray that you'll speak to each one of us. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as you've heard, we continue in our 90 series, 90 days or three months, looking at the life and ministry of Jesus. And today is the fifth in the series. And if you've missed any of the first ones, you can catch up on them on YouTube or your podcast. Um, and at the same time, we are doing, as a church, a 100 days Bible readings. And, um, and if you've joined into that, that's great. And if you haven't, 
it's not too late. Even if you just start um, for February and catch the last 70-odd days or so, we've got as far as it so happens on Thursday, so the Thursday is just gone, if you're doing the reading, we did the birth of Jesus. So you've missed the Old Testament bit, but don't worry, join us now. And if you um, would like to do that, there's, there's all sorts of ways you can access it. Come and see um, me afterwards and we'll get you um, on that. It'd be great as a church if we can read the Bible together. And also this week, there was some bonus material added. Martin did a short 10-minute clip that once again is on um, YouTube. Um, and it ties in very well with today's sermon. Um, that, that little clip is called Jesus, the New Moses. would encourage you, if you haven't seen that, to do that. And today the theme is on that theme, that Jesus brings something new. So if you're not going to fall asleep, now's the time to do it. That is the sermon. Jesus brings something new. His ministry was new. It wasn't a continuation of what had gone before. It wasn't version 2.0 and something else dreamt up. It was something new. And we're going to look at, of all things, the temple in Jerusalem as our example to show that. And we're going to look at three different passages in different Gospels, mainly in Matthew, but also in Mark and John. And um, so let's, let's start with the first one now. So can we, we can have the Matthew reading. And uh, so at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known these words, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the law, is the Lord of the Sabbath. So we'll come back to that in a moment. But if Jesus is to do something new, I guess we need to remind ourselves of what was the old. And for those that know their Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, well, you'll know about the system of laws and sacrifices that were in place in what we refer to as the Old Covenant. This was the working arrangement, the agreement that God had with his people, Israel. He had chosen them for a special relationship that he did not have with any other people group. He grew them into a great nation. He gave them a promised land. He gave them a law to live by. That was the Ten Commandments that we probably all know about. But there were also probably 600 other laws that covered not only worship, but criminal law, civil law, diet, morality, cleanliness, everything. And then in return, the Israelites were to remain loyal, obedient, and to worship God alone. And God established a sacrificial system that allowed them to be cleansed temporarily from their sins or wrongdoing when they broke those laws. Now, the centre of this arrangement was the temple. It was the place where you offered your sacrifice to be put right 
and it was the place where you met with God. More on the temple in a moment, but let's get back to our passage. And Jesus is teaching something new, but also something radical. If you were here last week, we looked at the Beatitudes, um, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus said, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are the unpopular, which is very different to the view that the Israelites would have had, where they considered that wealth and status were a part of God's blessing. And Jesus continues to contrast himself with the law because he keeps saying, you've heard it said, but I say. You have been taught, but I say. So you've heard it said, love your neighbor, but I tell you, love your enemy. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, but I say. And the crowd following Jesus probably would be wondering, is he contradicting Moses, those laws that were given to us? Is he contradicting the man that gave us the Ten Commandments, the man that gave instructions for the first temple, the tabernacle, to be built? And Jesus, very early, I guess, in his ministry, in fact, it's the verse after last week's sermon, Jesus says to um, the people that are listening, I've come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And I don't know, I've, I've heard that saying a hundred times, and um, I've always wondered just what does it mean? But I heard an analogy this week that it, it helped me. You might like it or might not. But if God's arrangement with the Jewish people was an assignment, then Jesus came to complete it. If the arrangement or the agreement with the um, Israelites was a maths problem, Jesus came to solve it. If it was an aeroplane trip, Jesus came to land it. And we get the example of that in our story. It's the Sabbath, that's the day of rest, and, um, and, the, and the hungry disciples eat ears of corn. Now, I've always thought they picked like, I always thought wheat and the little top bits, and I thought it's not very, um, not very tasty. Um, but I read something about it might have been maize and actually picked corn on the cob which sounds slightly more appetizing, I guess. But it doesn't make a difference what they ate, but they ate. And the Pharisees, who were the teachers, and more importantly, probably the keepers of the law, shout foul. You've just broken the fourth commandment, which keeps, says, keep the Sabbath holy. Do not work. And they are working. They are harvesting. It's unlawful. And Jesus points out to the priests, and um, I quite like this, he talks about David, and then he goes on to say, well, ministers, they work on a Sunday. Martin works on a Sunday. Possibly the only day he works. But he definitely works. He definitely works on a Sunday. And Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made to serve man because rest is good and we all need rest. Man was not made for the Sabbath. And the Pharisees thought that God loved his laws more than he loved his people. They'd fallen in love with religion to such a point that the religion was more important to them than the people it was designed to serve. And there's a challenge for us, isn't there? And I guess as people in our generation and generations that have gone before us that have left the church because we have preferred legalism to love. We've been too quick to criticise and too slow to understand. But not only does Jesus claim to be Lord of the Sabbath, but he goes further, he goes much further. In verse 6 he says, 
I tell you something much greater than the temple is here. And who is here? Well, he is. Now, to compare yourself to the temple is either arrogance, ignorance, or insanity. Nothing was greater than the temple. It's where the law was housed. It's where you met God. And people equated the, the, almost the nation with the temple. Nothing was greater than the temple. In fact, the temple he was there was, was depends how you count, it was the, probably the second temple. You could call it the third, you could call it the fourth. It started with the tabernacle in Moses. So when the people had left Egypt and they were wandering around the desert, um, God designed, Moses built the tabernacle. It was a move, a portable temple. It got about 45 foot long. Got, when they stopped, they built it. And when God told them to move on, they took it down and took it with them. And then there was either the first or the second, depending on how you're counting. The first temple was then built by Solomon, about 1000 BC, and that was destroyed by the Babylonians in 587 BC, and all the Jews were thrown out of the city. Later that century, the king of Persia allowed the Jews back in, and a smaller eco-temple was built. But 20 years before Jesus was born, uh, Herod the Great decided on the greatest church redevelopment plan ever, and he rebuilt the temple back to its former glory. And it is the temple is extraordinary. Um, we've got a picture as is, is, is best as I could. That is something that it looked like. The stones, and you need to listen to this, the stones were on average 44 feet by 16 feet by 11 feet. So the walls were at least 11 feet thick, if not 16 feet thick. They weighed an average of 10 tonnes. Some of the stones weighed 100 tonnes. The largest stone is estimated to weigh 400 tonnes. By comparison, a Stonehenge, one of the big stones at Stonehenge, weighs 25 tonnes. Gives you a bit of an estimate of the size of this thing. It was massive. It covered, uh, it was 20 stories high, if, you know, in modern in modern um, houses, it'd be as tall as an office block. It had the area of 20 football pitches put next to each other, and it could accommodate hundreds of thousands of people. It was simply massive, probably earthquake-proof, and Jesus says, I'm greater than this. To the Jews at the time, really? Let's leave that for a moment move to another passage. Mark's Gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark, in his gospel, um, tells about a time when um, he's with the disciples and um, they're about to leave the temple. And as Jesus was leaving the temple with his disciples, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. And Jesus says, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Is he speaking literally? Is he speaking metaphorically? Is he speaking gibberishly? Surely not, surely not literally. This place must be bomb-proof, if only they had bombs. But we'll never know, because it wasn't Roman-proof. He was speaking literally. And in AD 70, when the Romans had had enough of a yet another Jewish uprising, they threw the temple down stone 
by stone and the temple was destroyed. And it's worth mentioning that obviously when the disciples wrote this, um, the temple was there. And in fact, they all died. The Matthew, Mark and John who uh, have all died before it happened. They, they were in fact all martyred. And it's amazing. And I just every now and then when I, they've got evidence that this, this gospel account was written when the temple was there. They know it was written before the temple came down, and yet the temple came down. Just every now and then I have these sort of sometimes little bit doubts of faith. Things like this, just how did Jesus know that this temple, this enormous building that seemed absolutely indestructible, and yet Jesus knew that the temple was going to be destroyed? But that is probably not the most amazing reference to the temple. If we go to John's Gospel, and we look at the beginning of, the, of um, John's Gospel in chapter 2. Um, the Pharisees, um, are, Jesus is at the temple, and the Pharisees um, are questioning him, or, or the Jews are questioning him, and Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it's taken 46 years. 10,000 people have taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he was spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he'd said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. So this time Jesus is speaking metaphorically. He is talking about his body being the temple. That when he would be crucified three days later, it would be restored. And this, when we think about it, is perhaps the greatest new thing ever. The place, or now the person, where you were to go and find God was no longer the temple, but the person of Jesus. And Jesus is saying the temple is here. Not Holy Baptist Church, as nice a building as it is, but the temple is here and here and here. Paul tells us in his letter to the early church in Corinth, that when we become a follower of Jesus, our bodies are a temple to the Holy Spirit. What was the temple? It was a place you met God. And for you and you and you, that temple is where God's Spirit remains within us. And Paul goes on to say in his letter to the Romans, there'll be no more need for sacrifices of slaughtered animals because Jesus has made the one-time ultimate sacrifice for us, paying the price for all our wrongdoings. By grace you have been saved, through God's free, unmerited, powerful love. So those who believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And that is the new covenant. The laws and the sacrifices have gone. Jesus has paid the price, and our bodies are now the temple. So what do we learn from this, other than just how huge the temple was? Well, people know when I speak, I like three points, and I like them generally to have the same letter, and um, you won't be disappointed. So the first thing you need to know is that Jesus brings a new covenant. The old system of laws and sacrifice have been superseded. The maths problem has been solved. The plane has come in to land. And through what God has done through Jesus, 
This is our method of salvation. doesn't matter if you're good, bad, old, young, what you've done, what you haven't done, whether you're here this Sunday or whether you're not. Whether you go to church, whether you don't. God has sent his son because he loves us so much. And that is the first new, the new covenant. And because of what Jesus has done, because of that new covenant, we can become a new creation. John says, whoever believes in me will not perish but have eternal life. We will be born anew, not physically, but spiritually. If you're of a certain age, um, late in the late 1990s, there was a song by um, a chap called Dave Bilbra, um, who um, the song was called I Am A New Creation. I don't you can remember it. I am a new creation, no more in condemnation. Here in the grace of God I stand. My heart is overflowing. My love just keeps on growing because here in the grace of God I stand. Is that you this morning? Is that you? Are you that new creation or is that something that you desire? Jesus brings a new covenant. He offers us the opportunity to become a new creation. And the third and final thing that Jesus brings is a new commandment that you love one another as I have you loved you. Jesus didn't abolish the laws. He made sense of them. The idea about the Sabbath is a great example. The overriding principle of God's laws is to show love, to do the right thing. And if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, I guess the challenge is to constantly think, am I showing the love the way Jesus would? In what part of my life do I need to be less legalistic and show more love? I don't necessarily need to change my theology, but I need to apply it with the love that Jesus showed at the very centre, with, with Jesus being at the very centre of it. So a new commandment, sorry, a new covenant, a new creation, a new commandment. Is Jesus speaking to you? If you don't know him personally as your saviour, is Jesus saying, I would want to be that new creation in your life? If you've known Jesus for ages, do you need to think, what is that new commandment that he's given me to love one another? Am I doing that? I'm going to be quiet. There's some questions coming up. And um, let's just be quiet and think what God is saying to us now. Thank you, Steve. Some questions. What is your understanding of and response to God's grace? How can you show the love of God to others and who particularly in your life do you need to show it to now? What new thing might God be doing in your life? Why not pray for him to show you?
welcome back everybody um that was great sound that was very cool good that was thought-provoking thought yeah and it's funny because only those of you who don't know neil's my husband and when he started off i thought oh it's getting a bit like a bit not not dry but a lot about the temple but then suddenly it all made sense yeah if you I, mean, I sort of thought oh, does he need to be doing all this but actually he did because it really really made sense then yeah, um, and we love the idea that portable temple yeah, just, yeah. Like, just having a portable, like, you know, pop-up temple just, yeah. <laughs> just like, makes me laugh. Then like, I like something the, about Ikea. Yes. Then I like the eco-temple, which yeah. is a very even project. But... <laughs> it does. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> Back to business. Yes. Um, yeah, so we, we thought we'd just uh, discuss, like, one of one of the questions that, that Neil's posed to us. Um, and I thought we'd do the do the first one. So what what is your understanding and response to God's grace? You can go first. Oh, thanks. On that one. <laughs> Well, it's quite an interesting question, isn't it? Because it, it doesn't just say, what do you think it means? So what's your understanding of it? And then then how do you respond to it? Client. Yeah. I am. Um, oh, that's a problem question. To ask. I mean, I guess I've always been taught in a sort of race, you know, you've always, I was taught you know, God's riches at Christ's expense or whatever. But um, Neil was talking about it, wasn't it? He talked about the word unmerited and powerful um, and love. I mean, it's love, isn't it, Grace? Ultimately, it's God's love that um, we just so don't deserve that yeah. you know we could talk, you know so this this overwhelming all-powerful all-consuming love that we just that genuinely really really don't deserve yeah. um and i guess our response to that um well our response i guess has to be love in return love to god in return and then love to others so is our response response to god's love to us should be that following that new commandment to, to love one another and show, show that love to one another absolutely I, I think I think yeah absolutely that's a great answer that's a great answer uh yeah there's there's like like there's so many ways you can respond to it isn't there but yeah absolutely it's I think I think particularly for me when I first became a Christian that's one of the things I found quite difficult to sort of properly understand was just how just undeserved grace you know is for for, for each for each person it's such a it's such a massive thing that I think it quite takes a while for you to start to to understand it but yeah absolutely kind of once you start to really see kind of like just how unmerited it was and just exactly as Neil, Neil you know said you know just yeah you really start to understand kind of what god did for you for everybody yeah it's it's it's, it's a big it's a big thing and you're right so the, the outworking of that is kind of it's to it's it's to love people you know kind of unconditional which it's always hard it is and it's hard. always hard and he uh, talked to me about being less judgmental um, yeah it's interesting because um, Stuart and i were in the same house group. And I don't remember we did that uh, study on judge, on judge, being judgmental. Yeah. And uh, we talked about how um, it's easy, how, how we all, we instantly make judgments. Like, you know, you yeah. you meet people and you instantly make a judgment. And yep. then um, then that sort of like clouds and colours, everything else. But then there's also, there's, when you judge someone, when you consider their, you consider their behaviour and you judge their behaviour and yeah. judge who they are. And it's just, that's not what we're called to do. That's not what God does. No, and I think I think that's that's the message that the world gets, isn't it? That I think that so so many people's kind of sort of you know outside of church just think of church as a place where you get judged and told you know mm -hmm. that you can't you can't do this this and this and it's entirely legalistic and there's no there is no love. It's purely kind of trying to put you in your place, and it's it's such a misconception. It's such a it's so wrong because that's a complete antithesis of what of what church is about. Kind of you know it's yeah. I mean, so it, it's very hard not to be judgmental, mm -hmm. but we just got to try and switch that bed off, haven't we? Yeah. And just 
just try and love people and yeah absolutely. as hard as that can be sometimes because sometimes you just you just don't get on with somebody i mean that's 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 you know such an, an easy thing to fall into you know but just sometimes you just don't get on with people you just have to still have to to love them because you know there's a sort of thing about kind of you know you, you don't have to like somebody but you, you have to love them yeah yes and yeah you know i always need to try and remember uh, that yeah absolutely absolutely and, and, and it, wherever we are in our day to day whoever we meet particularly if you're in a job that some sort of meets the public i think it's very used to be judgmental you know yes. um i'm not a nurse and you know and i, I can remember you know reading reading someone's notes before they'd come in and you would instantly make a judgment about that person or about their lifestyle oh, absolutely or, you know and that, the, that's such an insight into their uh, life isn't it yeah, yeah. Uh, but i think you know one of, the, one of the great things about hbc i think you know it's we one of our strap lines is everyone's welcome and i know lots of churches say that but i i would really like to think that we as much as we can you know within our humanity that everybody really is welcome yeah you know and that you know we no one is judged for how they look or how they behave or but because jesus just loves and welcomes and etc exactly yeah i think if we can if we can really harness that then you know kind of just that that really does start changing people's lives yes you know just having that acceptance and knowing that kind of that god is is the is the refuge from from anything that happens mm -hmm. in life you know kind of good or bad then god is is it in it with you and just i think we need to i think we need to be better at sharing that and just just yeah, we need to kind of fight this narrative that just the the church is a judgmental place, and that the, yeah, the, just it's not about the love of you know from the, that God freely gives. It's it's about judgment, which yeah, yeah, we need to fight that narrative better than we do. Absolutely right, and the narrative is still there. You know, the narrative yeah. is still that the church judged and church condemned. And yeah. you know, I, I say this, you know, you look, I don't know, you, you look particularly at the American church where it's very front and central to, to sort of political life and you know yeah. and it does all appear very very judgment i think maybe in the uk we don't come across like that badly i don't know i think but yeah I, I think i think you're I probably right i think in american politics i think it's whatever is weaponized isn't it yes, it's works. i think it's yeah yeah i think you any any mention of of, of faith and politics is always a total hand grenade it's yeah it's yeah. Yeah. so um i think you're probably right in the here it's 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 less it's less controversial yeah. i think um but it's it's not as front and center no. so i think right. yeah and i think people still talking to the church sort of about <laughs> don't isn't it everyone's listening to church you probably. don't do this don't do that probably. but the church is full of love and uh yeah, god's grace go back to right back to the beginning of this question god's grace is absolutely yeah, yeah. i love think love for everybody yeah i think kind of you know, sort of the outworking of that is kind of like the you know the, all the all the things kind of like the you know the church kind of does you know for people not not just because we feel like we should or that we we have to do it is because we want to do it you know, kind of all those different outworkings whatever that is in the life of the church there's a thousand groups that you know kind of come out of church and kind of, you know go into into society and try and do the best they can to help you know, and you know improve kind of you know people's lives and help them and kind of, you know, just yeah there's there's so much outwork of that but i think we can always try and try and do better i think, kind of, yeah. I think on a personal level you know um we can all try and do better maybe this week that's where we need to be going we need to be thinking how can we respond to and show god's grace and god's love just in a little way more than we did last week yeah uh, and maybe that's a way to yeah i mean it could, it could be just something really 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 small or just 
or just remembering to to keep your temper in check just for, yeah <laughs> yes yeah. just you know just yeah. just when just when life gets at you just kind of just you know tap into that into that love and go think hang on wait yeah come out slow down yeah exactly there you go yeah so well round up there if you hope you enjoyed what you've heard tonight absolutely if you found it helpful why not share it with somebody else um if you uh don't already maybe subscribe to our youtube channel so click like and subscribe that really helps um share this podcast or youtube clip with somebody else um and you'll find all the other tools um and the one you'll refer to on our youtube channel or wherever you get your podcasts so if you want to listen back to any more absolutely and we'll continue to see you next week yeah looking forward to it that's going to be good fantastic That was today's episode of Holy Baptist Church Podcast. We hope it's prompted you to want to follow Jesus, hopefully a lot, but even just a little bit more closely. If you have any questions about what you've heard in today's episode or you want to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, you can email us, gotquestions at holybaptist.org.uk. We'd love to hear from you. It would really make our day. If you want to hear more from us, just a reminder, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you can download the Holy Baptist Church app from the Apple App Store or Google Play to hear it as well. Simply search Holy Baptist Church. Thank you again for listening to Holy Baptist Church Podcast. We pray God will bless you and we'll see you next time.